Right now, though, as promised, we are joined by the former general manager and a three-time Super Bowl winning NFL executive. Both those things. He held senior positions with the Patriots, the 49ers, the Raiders. He is co-founder of the Daily Coach Newsletter, co-host of the GM Shuffle podcast, co-host of the Lombardi Line, which is on VEASAN weekdays, 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern. He is the author of a new book. Football Done Right, which is available right now. Of course, I'm talking about Michael Lombardi. Michael, it's always good to have you. How are you? I'm great, Jim. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Hope all is well. All is great. Happy Thanksgiving, Michael. Appreciate it so much. All right, so here we are Wednesday, and we're still talking about that Monday night matchup between Philly and Kansas City. Michael, let me start with the Eagles. They go into a hostile environment. They come out with a gritty win. They move to 9-1. and one. But does this year's 9-1 and one feel like last year's 9-1 and one to you? Well, no, because last year they scored 204 points in the second quarter, and this year they've scored 68. They were dominating teams last year. Now they're just winning, and we tend to grade these wins like we're over in the Olympics. You know, we throw out the Russian judge, we put the Polish judge over here and the Armenian judge here. It's like it's a win. It's hard. It's hard to win NFL games. It really is. People think it is, and it is. That's why – Marty Schottenheimer has 200 career wins, one of eight men, and he can't get in the Hall of Fame because people think it's easy to win regular season games. It's hard. And they've done it really well. And, you know, they beat a team that they were fortunate to win because the Chiefs made mistakes. You know, we're so used to the Chiefs' margin of victory being large because of their explosive offense, because of the way they call the game and the way they get in front of people. But that's not this year's chief. This year's chief is built on defense. And their margin for air offensively is small. So when they have two red zone turnovers and they drop a deep touchdown pass, they're vulnerable to get beat. Michael Lombardi joining us. You're right. It is so unusual and so out of character to see them play like that offensively. Michael, is that something that ultimately they can still clean up? Or is this who they are? And is it going to be their undoing? Well, I think this. I think you, as Bill Parcells often said, you, at, right around Thanksgiving, you got to know who you are as a football team, right? And I think Andy Reid does know that. He doesn't have an explosive offense, right? You take Kelsey out. The longest pass play the other day was 17 yards. They drop way too. They lead the league and drop passes. Mahomes is playing well. Turns the ball over too much. Tries to force it because he's trying to make plays. But I think they know who they are. Their defense is really good. And their special teams can be good, especially the return game when Tony gets going. So they're going to have to play three three parts of their team have got to play really well to win. And, you know, they've only scored 19 points in the fourth quarter. They've gone three games without scoring in the second half. Three games without scoring any points. Forget a field goal. Any points in the second half. So this is who they are. You're not going to change it. They're not going to get explosive. But you as a play caller, you as the head coach have to adapt it. I'll tell you the other thing. Miami's very similar, very, very similar, Jim, to what Kansas City is, although no one would believe it because Miami's offense is so explosive and people have a perception of Miami. But when you study Miami over the last four weeks, they average 20 points a game. They have not been able to run the ball. They average 74 yards rushing, right? They can't convert third downs. They haven't been able to do that all year. They're winning because their defense has allowed them to win. Their offense hasn't been as good. I think what you just said, Michael, was so interesting. And I was going to ask you about Miami because we've got the NFL's first ever Black Friday game coming up in a couple of days. And then they're going up against the Jets defense that we know is very good. Michael, ultimately, where do you come out 
on Zach Wilson. For instance, do you think that he's got a future someplace else in the NFL as a starting quarterback, or would you deem him a bust and beyond repair already? Well, I, I don't think you could say he's a bust in terms of arm strength, athleticism, and athletic ability, right? Where I think he has been disappointing is how much does he love football? How much does he want to be great? How much does he want to do the, the, the mundane things over and over again to improve his career? How hungry is he to be a star? You know, and I don't see that with him. I think he, ha- he lacks competitive stamina. I think the longer the season goes, he, has a, he had a hard time of being able to maintain his level of play. And he never seems to get better. He's year three, and he's still making the same mistakes he made in year one. And that tells me that he's not vested. That that tells me he's not all in. That that he teases you with his athleticism, but his competitive stamina just doesn't allow him to take it to the next level. Look, you can research, and we do on the Daily Coach, research any elite competitor. And they have this will to get better. They have this urgency to become great. They're never going to settle for second place. They would never settle for anything less than the best of themselves. And when I watch Zach, when I watch his body language, when I watch him maneuver around, I see a guy that's almost indifferent. And in five years from now, if you told me Netflix is going to have a documentary on Zach Wilson's career and he's going to say, look, I never really loved football, I would believe it. Hmm. Michael Lombardi joining us. Now, nobody would ever say that, Michael, about Tom Brady, who made headlines this week. He said, Michael, quote, he sees a lot of mediocrity in the NFL right now. He went on to say that offensive players even have a responsibility to better protect themselves. Do you agree with these statements, or on some level does it seem pretty hypocritical that the rules he seems to be talking about were put in place to protect guys like him? I, I think he, I think he's right in this sense, Jim. The collective bargaining agreement that the players negotiated, uh, where the coaches aren't allowed to develop talent in the offseason, has really hurt the game. We need to develop offensive linemen. Offensive line play in the National Football League is at an all-time low. And a lot of that is because we lost that ability to spend February, March, and April working with offensive linemen in an indoor facility on their fundamentals and techniques. Now, it's our own fault. I mean... Everybody was having too many camps. The players were working too hard in the offseason. But the lack of ability to develop offensive linemen, which is a developed position. I mean, why do you see some seventh-round picks that make teams and you see guys that, you know, come from the street? It's a developed position based on toughness, fundamentals, and techniques. And when you don't work on that, that becomes a problem. I agree with them on the other issue. I think we have a lot of offensive coaches that will forsake protection just to get five guys in a route. I mean, look, are you shocked that Sam Howell is still on two feet? How many hits has Sam Howell taken? It's remarkable. He's getting protected, and he's getting hit at a rapid rate. And it isn't like, you know, they're doing – I mean, they, they're sixth-best team in the National Football League in yards per attempt rushing. They're 31st in rushing per game. They don't want to run the ball. They take great pride in never running it, but they don't care about their quarterback getting hit. And you wonder why they're losing games? You know, everybody made a big deal of Mike McCarthy. Oh, you know, he's taking over the play call. It's Kel Moore's a 10 times better play caller, yada, yada, yada. Well, here's what Mike McCarthy did. He managed the game. His defense plays 27 minutes. His offense is on the field for 33 minutes. He's played, his defense has played 100 less plays than his offense. There's a strategy to that. And that's allowing you to help 
play complementary football. Now, it doesn't work all the time. He lost to Dallas. He got beat by Arizona. You know, but the reality of it is, is that's what Brady's talking about. How are we managing the game? How are we protecting the players? It's hard to go into a game and throw it. He's going to go, Sam Howell's going to go down to Dallas, and he's going to try to throw it 40 times. You want Micah Parsons coming after you 40 times a game? I don't think so. Not especially when you consider how many hits Howell's already taken. I don't want to give it away, Michael, but I've got a podcast I'm going to release later on today. And I spoke to Mark Schlereth, great offensive lineman. He said almost exactly what you just said verbatim. I mean, word for word about developing players and players not because of the collective bargaining agreement. You don't have as much time to develop these players. He said almost exactly the same thing you just said. It's uncanny. Let me ask you this. When you, you know Bill Belichick really, really well from your years of working with him. Just before I let you go, and I want to ask you about your book too, do you think that ultimately he can fix the Patriots where they are or are he and Bob Kraft going to both decide that it's better they go their separate ways? How does that play out? Well, I think a lot of it depends on what the rules of engagement are and, and you know, where they see this organization going and how the vision of the owner wants it to go. But I definitely think he can rebuild it. Look, the quarterback, you know, played well as a rookie, didn't play well last year, and has played really poorly this year, along with some other factors. I think Dietrich Wise said it best. They're, they have a, a horrible record. They're not a bad team. They've had opportunities to win some games in the stretch. They just haven't been able to make the plays at the positions they need to make them. So I do think he still has it. And I, I know him personally that he has a love of the game. He's, he's at the top of his job and loves his job. Uh, it's not a fluke they won six Super Bowls. Certainly they had great players. But he's still a great coach, and I think he'll keep coaching. All right, so I mentioned you are the author of a new book, Football Done Right. Its subtitle is Setting the Record Straight on Coaches, Players, and the History of the NFL. By the way, it's a great gift idea for the holidays with them right around the corner. What exactly do you cover in the book, Michael? Well, what I try to do is kind of dispel a few myths, right? I, I, wanna, I want people to understand where football started, and I start with the white, what I call the white oaks, which are the, the trees and the foundation of the coaching trees in the National Football League. Everybody comes from a tree and how that tree got developed and who are the best coaches in the league. If it wasn't for the great Paul Brown, we wouldn't have a coaching profession. If it wasn't for Paul Brown, we wouldn't scout. If it wasn't for Paul Brown, we wouldn't have game plans. We wouldn't have helmets. We wouldn't have communication from the sideline to the field. He was an innovator. And I don't think we as a National Football League recognize some of the people that have done some incredible things. Jim, when I got on the team bus in San Francisco, I had to sit behind Bill Walsh. And when I sat behind him, he would often be doodling Clark Shaughnessy plays. Who's Clark Shaughnessy, people say? Well, Clark Shaughnessy is the reason why we have the quarterback position in the National Football League. I mean, we don't honor him. He's in the College Hall of Fame. He's not in the pro. He is truly a pioneer to our league. And so I want to tell that story. I want to tell the impact of television and why this game, for a perfect example, 28 million and some people watched the game the other night. Television has grown the game. Brett Musburger, Howard Cosell, John Madden were instrumental in that. Great drafts. And then I ranked the top 100 players. So it's kind of an overview of the game of football through my eyes and how I saw it grow, how I was involved with it, and why I think some of these players deserve Sterling Sharp, belongs in the Hall of Fame. Marty Schottenheimer, belongs in the Hall of Fame. 
I think it's an injustice to some of those people. It really quickly, Michael, I, I loved Sterling Sharp as a player. Loved him. In fact, he, he would come on this show when he didn't do a lot of media. I was fascinated by him. What's your argument for him being in the Hall of Fame? Well, I mean, he just got his career cut short, which is fine. But so did Terrell Davis. So did Tony Baselli, and they put them in. Like, the guy had Brett Favre for one year, two years. He's, he's making plays with Don Majakowski. I mean, this guy was a dominant receiver, and unfortunately, he even was playing with a neck injury, and he played through it. But don't tell me, you know, you put Tony Baselli in the Hall of Fame, and he was a great player. But, you know, he had a Hall of, he had Hall of Fame years. Did he have a Hall of Fame career based on everybody else? Same thing with Terrell Davis. You know, great player, but you're saying he had a Hall of Fame career. He only played seven years. Like, why are we cheating Sterling Sharp out of that? Sterling Sharp was tremendous, and he did have that neck injury and played through it. Michael Lombardi joining us. His book is called Football Done Right. The subtitle is Setting the Record Straight on Coaches, Players, in the History of the NFL. It is available right now, and there is so much more in that book. I know I've read it. Michael, really appreciate you. Happy Thanksgiving, and always great to have you on the show. Thank you, Jim. Anytime. Michael Lombardi joining us. Always a great conversation. Always food for thought. Always things that I know some of you will disagree with. But he's done it. A former GM, a three-time Super Bowl winning NFL executive, senior positions with the Pats, the Niners, the Raiders, talk some gambling, and an author. Really interesting guy.